series. I have looked forward to this, honestly, since I started preaching this series. Uh, I am so excited about introducing four new communicators. So you've heard from some of them, some of you you have not heard from. If you're part of our dream team, you've heard from all of them because they all lead on our team. Uh, But some of you have never heard in, in our whole church them communicate. And so a few weeks ago... In prayer, I went to Brandy. I said, I don't know if this is crazy or not, but I feel like we don't have a lot of preachers. We don't have more preachers than just one finish this series out. And it's the fifth week of this series. And I I really felt like God drew me to uh, inviting a few members of our team to the, to the stage to preach to you today. So we have four members. And if you've never seen a tag team preaching, y'all, this is going to be as, this is better. Somebody put on Facebook, this is better than WWE. Like, this is better than wrestling. I'm talking about old school wrestling. When it was WWF, you know what I'm trying to say on that? Like, the old school wrestling. This is better than that. And they're going to preach their hearts out. Now, here's what's going to happen. In just a moment, they're going to preach, and there's a countdown that comes on the screen. They all have seven minutes apiece. So in those seven minutes, you're going to preach them down. Yeah, that's exactly right. You can scream amen at them. You can do everything but throw something at them. And as long as it's soft, you can throw something at them. You, that, you hear that right there? That's that preaching chord. They don't know, Henry, what I, what I know. I told Henry, I said, you can stay with them and use an organ, whatever you want to do, because we're going to preach with them. We're going to cheer them on. We're going to give them all we got, because, listen, you'll get more out of it if you'll put more into it. It is just the law of the kingdom. If you come with expectancy, you'll leave with more. These are not just random people in this house. These are leaders in our house. Graylin Griffin leads our whole worship team. He, along with Henry, our music director, leads everything that you see on the stage on Sundays. It's absolutely amazing. Been in ministry a long time. Graylin's a wonderful man of God, everybody. Don't you love him? Let me hear you say that. Next up after that, Justin Boyd has been with me. I love Justin and Taylor, his sweet wife, Taylor. They were the first couple who moved literally across the country. To help plant this church. They believed in City Hills before there was a City Hills. Justin Boyd's preaching next. Gonna be amazing. And then I told the boys when we started, when we started talking about this, I told the dudes, I said, listen, fellas, I, I'm, I'm letting y'all know I'm not, I'm old school, but I love women preachers. I'm just being honest with y'all on that. So we're gonna put a girl in the mix and she's gonna show all of y'all up. She leads our impressions team. She's a dynamic woman of God, mother. Melissa Serbs up next after that. And then rounding out the whole thing uh, helps me lead in a lot of areas in our church, uh, specifically in connections and connect groups, leading all of our groups. Uh, Again, early move into our church, believed in it before anything ever existed here. Uh, Graduated from Hillsong College because he could literally run around the world. He did go around the world in ministry training and could have served anywhere else. Decided to plant this church with us. Aubrey Weldon's rounding the whole thing out, everybody. It's going to be a great day. Stand on your feet. Come on, everybody. I'm going to show you how to cheer. Now, I'm going to sit on the front row. I brought my notes because the devil hates when you take notes. He just absolutely hates it. And everybody that takes notes goes straight to heaven. That's in the Bible. I don't know if that's in the Bible. I made that up. That's, that's not. So I brought a good notepad. They're going to preach it down. I'm not touching the mic again until they're done. Are you ready to preach with them, everybody? Give them one more big hand. Welcome to the stage. Come on, come on, come on, give that to the Lord. I'm just going to go ahead and echo uh, the words of Pastor Mitch. What a privilege it is to be standing up here with this incredible group of people uh, to continue this, this series. Galatians has changed my life. 
and we're going to jump right into it. You guys can be seated if you'd like. If you want to stand up, please do that. I'm used to that where I grew up. So Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 says it like this. Christ has set us free to live a free life, so take your stand. Never again let anyone, and I'll add anything, put a harness of slavery on you. Anybody thankful for the freedom that comes when you choose to live for the Lord? We have the opportunity, the privilege to live in a freedom that only comes through the redemptive power of the cross. Jesus made a way. That's why here at City Hills, we'll forever come alongside you as you do your best to come closer to God, to find him, to know him, and then find the freedom that comes along with this Holy Spirit. Amen. If you agree with that, put your hands together. Now, I personally love that the Bible compares living for God as a race. And in my family, racing and running is serious. A few years ago, we were sitting around uh, the living room after the holidays with my, with my siblings. And my sister is younger than me by eight years. And she had the audacity to tell me that she could beat me in a race. Now, she's 25 and I'm 35. You know, she was at the time. And, and I'm, I'm not quite the specimen I was in high school. But at that moment, challenge accepted. We had to run outside in that moment in do-rags and hair scarves with pajamas on, put some shoes on, and take it to the streets. And I'm happy to let you know that I still got it. I had enough to beat her. And I'm not going to race anybody else. But Now, we did not let my younger brother participate because he is the track star in the family. He's always been athletic, but there was a coach his junior year of high school that recognized that his six-foot-three frame his speed and his endurance made him a perfect candidate for the 400-meter dash. He became a student of the race. He would lean into the curves, and he would open up on the straightaways. And if there was a relay, he would literally eat up his opponents because he found a race that he was built for. Everybody say, I was built for this. When you begin living for God, you enter the greatest race in eternity. God equips you with everything you need because this race was purposed for you. One more plug for City Hills. Over the past two years, I've had the privilege, this dream team has had the privilege to see over 200 people come through growth track. It's something special. It's more impressive to watch someone discover their purpose in God, to find what they were built to do. One more time, say, I was built for this. Now, as someone who grew up in church or attended church most of his life, it's not all finish lines and gold medals. I've been that person who has lived that life, ran the race that God intended for me, but I've also had and known my, my faults, my lows, my mistakes. And Paul recognizes this about the Galatian church and that they were getting off track. So he speaks directly to what he sees. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 7, he says it like this. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? Who has held you back from following the truth? You see, the religious people of that day tried and began to change the race. They began to insert obstacles and hurdles in their own way. They even attempted to move the finish line. They got their eyes off the prize and they began looking behind them. Hannah Hartzell says it like this, runner and author. She says, the danger with looking over your shoulder is what seems like a minor choice can actually have a huge impact. Think about it. If you see a runner closing in on you, your confidence is shaken. If you look back and see no one there, there's the momentary comfort that comes because you're winning the race. But then you become more paranoid. You look back more and more. And then you change your strategy 
from how to win the race to how to avoid losing the race. So let me ask the question again. Who has held you back from the truth? Now, if you look back in your notes to the first week of this series, Pastor Mitch takes us through Genesis. And God asked Adam and Eve a very similar question in Genesis 3.11. Who told you you were naked? Remember, Eve's decision was not in rebellion. It came from her desire to be godly. I know what it's like to try and earn his grace after I've fallen short. To add my own hurdles, my own obstacles to the race because I did not feel worthy of the love that Jesus had given me. This is the false gospel that Jesus died for and the false gospel that Paul came to dispel. Whether it's hurt or pain, whether it's shame from your past, whether it's the, the recent stumble or a mistake, God's plan has not changed for you. Amen? He wants you to live in the same freedom that came when you initially found him. He wants you to run the race that he called you to run. And I want you to listen to me. You have access to the truth today. You have access to grace today. He wants you to run the race because Jesus is for you. Freedom is for you. That is the true gospel. We sing it all the time that we can't earn it, we'll never deserve it still. He gives himself his love away. And I'm getting close to time, so I'm going to close right here. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 says it perfectly. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, I want you to take a second and look around you. Look around you at your brothers and sisters. Look at your dream team members, the rest of this congregation. We're going to do this together. Let us strip away every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run. Everybody say run. Everybody say run. Run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So Paul closes this. He answers his own question. Who has held you back from the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who's called you to freedom. Anybody glad and thankful for the freedom that we get in Jesus? Everybody say, run your race. Everybody say, run your race. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Let's give him a big round of applause. All right, you may be seated. I'm going to go ahead and jump right in. Today I'm going to be talking to us about taking self out of the equation or what it means to remove yourself from the equation. And when I say self, I'm talking about what the Bible tells us is our flesh. It's our own human nature. Human nature sometimes makes things harder than it should be. A lot of times, actually. And sometimes we view things differently when we view them through the lens of self instead of spirit. So I'm, now I'm going to kind of give you what the worldview of freedom would be. The world will tell you to just do you, to just be yourself, to just go out there and do whatever it is that makes you happy, to just do that. Whatever hobbies you're into, you, you call your own shots, you live your own life, just do whatever you want to do. And you will experience freedom. But the main problem with that is that is only being viewed through the lens of self, not the lens of spirit. So you're going to be left with a false freedom or a temporary feeling of freedom that ultimately will leave you longing for what true freedom really is. So I'm going to bring a passage of scripture from Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and through 17. I say then, walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary 
to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So kind of what this tells us here is that there's kind of this inward battle going on between self and spirit. That's why it is imperative that we wake up every morning and we remove self from the equation so that we can allow the Holy Spirit to live inside of us and to work through us. Not only live inside of us and work through us, but so that we can walk in the Spirit and do the thing that we were called to do. Well, I'm going to share a personal story here of kind of what it means for me to remove self from the equation and, and the effects that I get when I, when I forget to remove self. So when it comes to raising my kids, I have two sons, for those of you who don't know. The oldest one, he's five years old. His name is Jasper. The youngest one is Navy. He is two years old. And sometimes, you know, I'm not sure if they're kids or like baby dinosaurs or T-Rexes or, but, you know, it's, it's all fun. And uh, usually whenever I wake up in the morning and I remember to take self out of the equation and I allow the Holy Spirit to live inside of me and to work through me and I allow myself to walk in the Spirit, I'm kind of like Mr. Rogers with my kids. Everybody remember Mr. Rogers' neighborhood? You know, I'm wearing my cardigan. I got a smile on. I'm talking super nice to my kids. You know, I have a great day. I don't get angry. I'm just cool, calm, and collected. You know, it's kind of hard to believe in me. But it happens when I take self out of the equation. But on the flip side of that, on the mornings that I forget to take self out of the equation and I allow my flesh, it's that word again, it's, it's self. I allow self to get in the way of my day. All of a sudden, I become the Incredible Hulk. My skin turns green. My shirt starts ripping. I'm tearing through my house. I'm flipping dresses over, smashing TVs, hollering at my kids. Okay, it may, may not be that extreme, but what I'm saying is we bear the fruits of whatever we operate in. The Bible tells us that whatever we operate in, that's the fruits that we will bear. So now I'm going to bring us a scripture of Galatians chapter 5. It's a little further down in verses 22 and 23. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, self-control, and against such there is no law. So what happens is when I'm Mr. Rogers, you know, I'm experiencing these fruits of love, joy, and peace. And when I forget to take self out of the equation, all of a sudden anger creeps in. And I have troubles throughout the day, and I allow the flesh to rise up. And the Bible tells us that there's even outbursts of wrath. Get that? The Hulk right there, outbursts of wrath. So my next point is it, it's time that we use freedom for what it was meant to be. Because freedom, we weren't called to this earth to just save ourselves. So if we're too busy at battle with this inward war between self and spirit, we cannot do the thing that we were called to do. We were called to reach the lost. We were called to go out into the city and to reach those that can't reach themselves and bring them to the path of true freedom. Another way I could put it, it's kind of like waking up with chains. You wake up in the morning with chains, there's a lock on them, and you know that the key is on your nightstand. But human nature and self tells you to just ignore it and go about your day. So what happens is you go about your day bound by these chains that keep you distracted from doing the thing that you were called to do. And if you're so busy with this battle and bound by these chains, then you can't reach people. And we believe something at City Hills that's called we believe in the lost being saved, the saved being pastored, the pastored being trained, and trained people being mobilized. But we cannot do any of that if we are bound by these chains that keep us distracted with this inward battle. So I'm going to kind of start wrapping it up here, and I'm going to bring up uh, the last main point of what it means to experience true freedom. And we're going to leave you with an image here of an intersection, which is the next slide. It's, a, it's kind of a pathway here. You have two paths, but there's three choices you can make. So there's, we'll, we'll pretend like the left one is the path of self. Some of you may have found yourself lost down the path of self in the flesh, and you find yourself in an endless cycle not able to find your way out where there's past failures and mistakes and, and this self rises up and tells you you're not good enough, but you, 
you find yourself lost and you don't know where to go and you can't find your way to true freedom. Some of you may be a lot like me where I've spent probably half of my Christian life just stuck with this battle between self and spirit, you know, uh, kind of riding the middle line and trying to get self out of the equation and battling back and forth, so distracted by the chains that human nature told us to ignore and made it way harder than it should be when I could have just picked the key up, took the chains off, and then walked in my purpose and walked in the spirit. I've kind of battled with that, and I know some of you are in that place where you're stuck in the battle, but I also believe there's some dream teamers in this place today that have started to travel down the path of freedom. What that means is you have help. You have the Bible as your roadmap. You have a shepherd named Jesus to follow that will help you with every need. You also have the Holy Spirit inside of you, which acts as an internal GPS helping you to navigate the rough pathways. When times get tough, it helps you to navigate through them. And the best part about it is, is whenever you're traveling down this road or this path to freedom, now you can use freedom for what it was meant to be. You can take this help with you. You can go to that other path, the path of self, and you can snatch people up that are lost, that can't find their way to this path of freedom. And you can bring them alongside you. That's what we believe here at City Hills is saving the lost, reaching the lost, discovering our purpose, and making a difference. So today, remember to remove self from the equation. Walk in your purpose. Allow the Spirit to walk, work inside of you and to walk in the Spirit so that you can do the thing that you were called to do. Everybody said amen. Woo. Okay, I haven't really hold, held the mic to my mouth, so I have to make sure y'all can hear me, but it's not too loud. Um, I'm going to be talking out of Galatians 5.25. So if you guys are taking notes or turning in your book, you can go ahead and go there. Um, I wanted to tell you about myself a little bit. I'm Melissa. Um, I get to serve on the Impressions team here. It's amazing. If you're not plugged in, I highly, highly, highly encourage you to join our team. I'm a nurse at University Hospital. Um, I am an amateur tennis player, coffee lover, Netflix binger. So I'm just like you guys. Nothing, nothing too special about me. Um, okay, we're getting right to it. Galatians 5.25. I have two translations for y'all. I like both of them. So um, this is the first one. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Um, and the other one is from the New Living Translation. And it says, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Um, guys, it's all spiritual. Sometimes we hear Mitch saying, it's all spiritual, it's all spiritual. And when we walk in the Spirit, we can let all the things of our lives um, Jesus penetrate into all the ways, into, into all the things of our lives. Um, today, I want to share a little bit about my story and um, what kind of catapulted me into this life of Jesus and just this desperate need of him. Um, if you're taking notes, my first point is God uses the Holy Spirit to reveal things to us that might otherwise be covered up. So through the Holy Spirit, God reveals things to us that we might not otherwise know or see. Um, it's kind of like when I was a senior in high school, you know, you're getting ready to go away to school and you're talking about colleges and stuff. And I just remember the Holy Spirit just beginning to work in my heart and just draw me to himself. And the thought that came into my mind over and over again was, I'm going to show you my glory. I'm going to show you my glory. And I remember hearing this so vividly in my life, just, just not this desire to want to pursue the things of the world, but almost like God was telling me, I have, I have set you apart and I'm going to show you my glory. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and verse 12 says, But God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches the deep things, 
even the deep things of God. We have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And I love this, y'all, because in that time when God was telling me, I'm going to show you my glory, he was preparing me for something that he was fixing to walk me through. And when I was 19 years old, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease. I had gone away to college, and I was diagnosed with a, with a sickness, basically. And they treated me with chemotherapy and high-dose steroids. Um, I had to start dialysis. My kidneys had completely failing, failed me. Um, but I remember, even in these hard times, God had showed, said, told me, I'm going to show you my glory, Melissa. And there was so much confidence in that because what I was going through didn't make sense. But I was able to look back and see, okay, God, your Holy Spirit revealed to me that you're going to show you my glory. So I'm going to keep my eyes on you and not be caught up in this thing. And y'all, he so did. So back to the first point. God uses the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what might otherwise be covered up. He revealed to me that he was going to show, show me his glory. His preparing me allowed me to walk confidently in one of life's pits because I knew who ran my show. I knew who my redeemer was. I knew who was my healer and that he had a plan for my life. My second point is this. Sometimes the spirit tells us to do things that don't make sense to the flesh. AKA, God may ask you or probably ask you to do something at some point that you just straight up don't want to do or that's uncomfortable or that what are people going to do? What are people going to think and say if I do that? 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 says, the man without the spirit, the world, AKA the world, the man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. For me, it was... During this time when I was really sick and it was a cold, windy, rainy December morning. And I remember I was at my parents' house. I was 19 years old and I was sick. I was on, I had to go to dialysis three times a week and I was getting chemotherapy. And my head was, I shaved my head because it, anyway. Um, I have pictures too if you guys ever want to see those. They're really fun. But anyways, y'all, it was like a cold, dark morning. The trees were scratching at my window and the Holy Spirit just woke me up and I'm laying there in my bed, and he just told me, he's like, Melissa, you need to get out of your bed and get on your knees and pray, and I'm going to heal you. And, y'all, this is where my point comes in. Sometimes the Spirit tells us to do things that do not make sense. Hello, God, I'm in my bed. My covers are on me. It's cold out there. It hurts to get out of bed. Like, you can, I can pray, and you can hear me right here just the same. And the Holy Spirit just said, Melissa, I'm pursuing you. I'm talking to you. Do not let this go. And so I remember getting out of my bed, getting on my knees, and praying and just saying, God, I don't, I don't really know what their plan is right now, but I trust it. And y'all, I just have to tell you, I was so moved by this moment that I ran downstairs, went to my parents' room. My dad's like, are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. God just told me he's going to heal me. Y'all, I have to tell you, I had one more dialysis treatment after that. One more, which is supernatural, like a miracle. It did not make sense for me to get out of my bed and get on my knees, but God used that. And that this story, this dependence of like, God, this doesn't make sense in, to me, but I'm going to trust you, has carried me and my husband and my family through so many things. So this is just the beginning. That is not the end of my story. There is so much more. But through this experience, God showed me when you are faithful and when you do what I have called you to do and you listen to my voice in the small things, I will show you more. And I will show you myself. I have this analogy that God gave me and it's of a glory hole in the sky. So imagine the sky and I feel like God just stuck a straw through the clouds and right there where that shadow was, y'all, it was his presence and his favor and his grace and his healing. And it had nothing to do what was going, what was going on with me in my world because the world was dark 
I was hurting. It was painful to get treatments. It was sad. It was depressed, depressing. But right here, God's glory was, y'all, he was so faithful. And when I stood here and I didn't look around and I wasn't distracted by all the things, but I just saw him and looked up, he pursued me and he showed me his glory in a way that I would not have experienced if I wouldn't have gone through what I went through. <clears throat> so back to Galatians 5.25 in keeping with the spirit. If I could give you one piece of advice, regardless of who you are, what your background is, whether you think you know God or don't know God, it's this, it's to develop a prayer life and regularly as the spirit prompts, pray on your knees. Desperate people do desperate things. When I was sick, I was desperate. I had nowhere to go. God, I, I'm desperate. And so God just used that. And I just wanna encourage you, if you don't really know, if you, if you don't pray very much or you don't know what it means to have a prayer life, it's almost impossible to live in the spirit without a prayer life. I encourage you, I urge you to come to 21 days of prayer. Get started, get plugged in. We have so many great resources and people that can teach you how to pray. I see I have just a few seconds left, but I have one more quote for you and it's from Louis Giglio and it says, but the most important journey everyone must take is the 20 inch journey from your knees to the ground. And that is where the mercy of God is found. To God be the glory. It's always hard to follow something like that up. I don't got any, I don't got that, and I don't got those shoes. I, don't, I, can't, I can't pull that off either. But hey, are you ready to jump into Galatians chapter 6? All right, all right. Well, have you ever noticed that there's these unspoken rules that kind of govern the way we interact in a social environment? Just me? Yeah? There's some unspoken rules. Like, for instance, I'll give you one. I don't know what happens in the women's restroom. I try not to go there very often. Um, but in the men's restroom, there's this unspoken rule, and it's this that there's to be absolutely no talking. Not all guys get that. Most guys do. And it's, there's a no talking zone. It's just an unwritten rule. There's, it's in no rule book, but it's just a rule that once we come in here, I came in here with a job to do. You came in here with a job to do. Let's get that job done, and then we can go outside and talk. It's just an unwritten rule, but it, it's there. And as we jump into Galatians chapter 6, Paul comes in with kind of an unwritten rule. For the first five chapters, we've talked about grace over law and getting our heart aligned with that and realizing the fact that we can't earn our salvation, but instead it's a gift that's freely given to us. And once we start to understand that, and once we start to live that out, all of a sudden, there's not a list of things we have to do, but there are some things that we want to do, that we get to do. And Paul begins to unpack that in Galatians chapter six, and he, he hits us with this in verse six of Galatians chapter six. He says, nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. And I think what Paul's trying to communicate to us in this verse is this. He's trying to communicate this point, that we are sitting in someone else's sacrifice. We're sitting in someone else's sacrifice. Literally today, we are sitting in someone else's sacrifice. I don't know if you know this or not, but this is a movie theater. It's not a church. And, but somebody, a group of people, this morning decided to wake up a little bit earlier and they decided to make a place for people to come and encounter God. And I believe they did that because, yeah, you can give up for that. They went up at 6.30, give it up for them. But I believe that they did that because they received so much that at some point they decided, you know what? I need to give back. I need to make a place for more people to come to know this loving message that is Jesus. That's why we talk about growth tracks so much here at City Hills Church because we truly, truly believe with everything within us 
that whenever you discover your purpose, discover why God made you, and you start to use that to make a difference, something's going to change in your life. And it's this principle. It's this principle that God doesn't want to just do something for you, but he wants to do something through you. I heard a wise preacher, his name is Mitch Rose, uh, he, he said one time, he, I've heard him say it many a times, that we weren't meant to be a reservoir, but we were meant to be a river. God wants to bless you, but he wants to use that to be able to bless other people. And we get to be involved in that process. And Paul goes a little bit deeper into that, and he starts to unpack it and explains the blessing that comes with that. And he does it in verse 7. He says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. A man will reap what he sows. Basically, you get out of it what you put into it. And I remember this, I, I, I'm from Texas, born and raised in Texas, but a lot of my family's from Alabama, so roll, tide, roll. I just want an LSU fan over there, but. Uh, I, would go to, I would go to Alabama just about every summer when I was young, and I would spend about a month there. I got to spend a lot of time with my grandparents growing up, and especially my great-grandpa, and he had a uh, pretty good-sized farm, and he had about just about every kind of produce you could think of, and my favorite thing that would come out of his gardens was watermelon. There's something about a good southern homegrown watermelon that's been sitting in the refrigerator, getting nice and cold, put it out, put it out on a cooking sheet, and then you put a little bit of salt on it. And I'm telling you, whew, we can just stop right here and praise God for his goodness on that one. But I was just there sitting, sitting there eating the fruits of his labor. Pardon the pun. But uh, you'll get that a little bit in the fruits. Uh, watermelon. Um, but I was just sitting there eating it. And enjoying that, but what he would do, he, he understood the process that came along with farming. As we would eat, and he would, he would begin to gather the seeds. And so every year, he would take those seeds and he would put them back in the ground. And the next year, that would be the harvest. And so every year, it was this process of gathering seeds, putting them in the ground, and then a harvest. Gathering seeds, putting them in the ground, and then there was a harvest. And he understood this principle and I didn't know it at the time, but now it starts to make a whole lot of sense. And it's this, that farmers can't fake it. Farmers can't fake it. It's only so long that you can tell people that the harvest is coming before they start to think, I don't think he put the seeds in the ground. And so a, a farmer, they either put the seeds in the ground, do the work, or there is no harvest. And so we only get out of it what we put into it. If we don't ever put seeds in the ground, how can we ever expect something from it? So often, so often, we want to lean into God's blessings without participation in his plan. We want something out, but we haven't put anything in. How can we expect to get a word from God if we allow our Bible to sit on the shelf collecting dust? It is the word of God. How can we expect God's leading in our life if we never cultivate a lifestyle of prayer? That's why 21 days of prayer is coming up, and I think you need to get involved because at three weeks, just go all in and cultivate this lifestyle of prayer. And I'm telling you, all of a sudden, you'll start to see God move in your life in ways that you've never seen it. Because when you get out what you put in, Psalms put it this way. It said, a man planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. It insinuates that you have to be planted. How can you expect a plant to ever grow, ever blossom, if it's not planted in good soil? We only get out what we put in. But Paul goes on because he knows that this principle can only last so long before you need a little bit of encouragement. He says this in verse 9. He says, let us not become weary of doing good, for at the proper time, at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And today, I know that there's some people sitting in here saying, that's good, that's good, but 
that dream, that vision, that thing that God's put in my heart, that company, that, that job, that career, I've all but given up on it. And I'm here to tell you today, did you ever stop to think that possibly whenever that dream was born, that God began the process of your harvest? He needed to take some time to do something under the soil before he could do something above the soil. And there's gotta be some things that go into you that will be able to sustain you in your calling. And so today, don't grow weary. Don't grow weary in doing good because the harvest is on its way. So keep reaping, keep sowing into the ground, keep putting those seeds in, working the ground because God is bringing the harvest. If we don't give up, can I get an amen?